0: Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Thursday, January 4th. Today we delve into the renewed rivalry in GOP politics as Nikki Haley suggests New Hampshire Republicans are better at picking a president than Iowans. And we explore the pro-China tipping point in South Asia marked by Bangladesh elections. Plus, we'll discuss the closure of a company owned by Rishi Sunak's wife and the pivotal elections, Hunter Biden trial, and more political stories we're following in 2024. This coverage and more up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley has stirred up some controversy within the Republican Party, suggesting that New Hampshire is better at picking presidents than Iowa. Abby, our political correspondent, is here to provide some context. Abby, what's going on here?
1: Well, Michael. It seems Haley's comments have ruffled some feathers, particularly among Iowa Republicans. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and his allies, who have been focusing heavily on Iowa, were quick to respond. Even Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, who previously endorsed DeSantis, chimed in, defending the decision-making abilities of Iowans.
0: Interesting. So what was the context of Haley's comments? Was she just trying to flatter New Hampshire voters?
1: Yes, it appears so. Haley was speaking at a rally in New Hampshire, where she's been gaining traction in the polls. She was highlighting the role of New Hampshire in the GOP's presidential calendar, suggesting that while Iowa starts the process, New Hampshire corrects it, and then her home state of South Carolina brings it home.
0: But isn't there some truth to Haley's claim? Historically, hasn't New Hampshire been more successful at picking the eventual Republican nominee?
1: Yes, that's correct. Historically, New Hampshire Republicans have had a better track record of voting for the candidate who eventually becomes the Republican Party's nominee. In fact, three of the last four competitive New Hampshire Republican primary winners went on to win the nomination. However, it's important to note that the early states are not necessarily designed to be predictive. They play a crucial role in narrowing down the field of candidates before the big delegate halls on Super Tuesday.
0: So... It seems like this is more about the role of these early states in the election process rather than their ability to predict the eventual nominee. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Now let's shift our focus to Bangladesh's upcoming general elections, which are drawing international attention with geopolitical implications that extend far beyond its borders. Abby, our South Asia correspondent is here to discuss this in more detail. Abby, why are these elections so significant?
1: Well, Michael. Bangladesh is at a geopolitical crossroads. The country is in a strategic location, and its political alignment could tip the balance of power in South Asia. The Awami League, which is expected to return to power, has been increasingly leaning towards China, which has been trying to expand its influence in the region.
0: Can you elaborate on China's interest in Bangladesh and how it's been growing?
1: Certainly, Michael. Since 2010, China's influence has been growing in Bangladesh's decision-making architecture, Beijing sees strategic value in turning Bangladesh into a state heavily dependent on it, similar to Myanmar and Cambodia. This would ensure easier Chinese access to Indian Ocean sea lanes, bypassing the Malacca Strait via the China-Myanmar Economic Corridor. Also, a stable political climate under the Awami League would protect and promote China's large infrastructure investments in Bangladesh.
0: How are other countries like the United States and India reacting to this shift?
1: The U.S. has been critical of the Awami League government, imposing sanctions on Bangladeshi security officials for alleged human rights abuses. India, on the other hand, has shown more restraint, fearing that too much pressure would strengthen hardline forces in Bangladesh's opposition parties. However, both New Delhi and Washington are concerned about the Awami League's transformation into a party run by China-backed oligarchs.
0: So what might the implications be if the Awami League does return to power?
1: If the Awami League returns to power, it's likely that Bangladesh will continue to tilt towards China. This could mark a tipping point, with Bangladesh becoming more firmly integrated into China's Belt and Road Initiative. However, managing this shift might not be easy, especially if China transitions from a development partner to a strategic partner. The aftermath of the elections will be crucial for Bangladesh, the region, and the world's big powers.
0: It's clear that these elections have implications far beyond Bangladesh's borders. Thanks for your insights, Abby. Now, shifting our focus to the UK, the Labour Party is raising questions following the closure of a company owned by Rishi Sunak's wife, Akshata Murdi. This company, Katamar End Ventures UK, was a startup investment firm that wound up in December. Abby, our UK correspondent, is here to dive deeper into this. Abby, what can you tell us about this situation?
1: Hi, Michael. Indeed, this is a complex situation. Catamaran Ventures UK, founded by the Sunaks in 2013, was known for investing in startups. Rishi Sunak stepped down as a director in 2015 when he became an MP, and his wife, Akshata Murdi, became a majority shareholder a year later. The closure of the company has raised eyebrows, particularly because it held shares in Study Hall, an education startup that received a government grant of almost £350,000.
0: What are some of the questions that Labor is raising about this?
1: Labor's national campaign coordinator, Pat McFadden, has written to Deputy PM Oliver Dowden with a number of queries. He's asked about the impact of Catamaran Ventures' closure on the government-backed business and any other companies it retained a stake in. He's also inquired about the arrangement for the payment of tax owed to HMRC and whether Catamaran Ventures would be fulfilling all its liabilities to the British taxpayer.
0: And what has been the response from Ms. Murdy or her representatives?
1: A spokesperson for Ms. Murdy has stated that a significant donation has been made to ShareGift, a UK registered charity, as a result of the business being wound up. All the holdings of Catamaran Ventures have been transferred to ShareGift, with the exception of one company, Bloom and Wild a flower delivery startup, which Ms. Murdy has kept in her name.
0: This isn't the first time the Sunak family's finances have come under scrutiny, is it?
1: No, it isn't. Previously, Ms. Murdy faced criticism for having non-DOM status, which allows people living in the U.K. to avoid paying U.K. tax on money they made abroad. Following the backlash, she announced that she would start paying U.K. tax on her overseas earnings. It's also worth noting that Ms. Murdy's father founded one of India's biggest companies, Infosys, and she owns shares in the firm worth an estimated seven hundred million pounds.
0: It's clear that this is a developing story with potential political implications. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Now, as we look ahead, 2024 is shaping up to be a busy year in Delaware and beyond, with major statewide and federal races, including the U.S. presidential race. Let's bring in Abby, our political correspondent, to discuss the key political headlines. Abby, what's the current landscape in Delaware?
1: Well, Michael, there are several races to watch. The gubernatorial race is heating up with Newcastle County Executive Matt Meyer, Lieutenant Governor Bethany Hall Long, and former State Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Conservation Secretary Colin O'Mara all considering running on the Democratic ticket.
0: What about the race for Wilmington's mayor? I heard Governor John Carney might be considering a run.
1: Yes, that's correct. After Wilmington Mayor Mike Perzicki announced he would not be seeking a third term, Governor Carney has expressed serious interest in running. The only official candidate so far is former city treasurer Velda Jones-Potter.
0: Let's shift gears to the congressional seats. I understand there's potential for history
1: to be made. Indeed, State Senator Sarah McBride, the country's highest-ranking transgender elected official, announced her run for Delaware's sole congressional seat. If elected, she would become the first trans person elected to federal office. Eugene Young, director of the Delaware State Housing Authority, is also interested in the seat. If elected, he would be the first Black man to represent Delaware in Washington, D.C.
0: What about the state's investment in teachers and schools? How is that playing out?
1: Last session, Delaware approved increasing state employee wages, which included a 9% pay hike for teachers. The state also committed a historic amount of funds to tackle childhood lead poisoning prevention and addressing lead in school drinking water. This is a significant step towards improving the state's education system.
0: And what about the legalization of recreational marijuana? What's the next step?
1: After a decade-long attempt, the General Assembly legalized recreational marijuana this past spring. Governor Carney, who has been against the policy for years, allowed the bills to become law without his signature. It will likely take close to two years for Delawareans to purchase weed in a first-state dispensary.
0: Finally, let's talk about Hunter Biden's trial in Delaware. What's the latest?
1: Hunter Biden pleaded not guilty to three federal firearm felonies. Prosecutors have since filed tax charges in California against President Joe Biden's son. His attorneys recently filed motions to dismiss the federal firearm charges. This could set up a contentious court battle in Delaware in the new year.
0: Thanks for the insights, Abby. It's clear 2024 will be a pivotal year for Delaware politics. All right, that wraps up our stories for today, and we appreciate you tuning in to Current Radio. We'll see you back here tomorrow.